Welcome to Perfectly Imperfect with Beautiful Disaster. These are the stories of our tribe. They are important, powerful, and will undoubtedly change you. We are live. <laughs> yes, we are. I, hopefully it's worked. Um, I am so excited to announce you guys that we have such a special guest today on uh, the Beautiful Disaster Facebook page with us. We have Kiara Lazowski and I watched her TED Talk. Boy, it's been several months now. Um, we've we've had quite the time connecting and sorting out our schedule. So um, we're just so grateful, Kiara, that you made time for us. And um, you know, for those of you just tuning in to our live uh, right now, we are going to have an opportunity to listen to Kiara's story. She is a survivor of domestic violence. Um, it's a topic that we talk about a lot in um, on the Beautiful Disaster platforms. And, you know, we're just so grateful to have you, Kiara. If you want to share a little bit about um, who you are and the fact that you're coming to us live from across the pond. <laughs> okay, so thank you so much, um, Christy, for inviting me uh, to talk live today. Um, I, I feel very honored and uh, it's definitely really important to talk about domestic abuse or domestic violence because it's still very much taboo and the more open we can be about it as a society, the more we can take responsibility for it and hopefully one day eradicate it. So thank you very much. Um, about A little bit about me. Um, so I'm Chiara Lizowski. I was born in the UK. I live in the UK. Yeah. Um, that's why we're across the pond quite a big time difference yeah. um, and I'm sort of part of a, a mixed family so my mum's Italian my dad's Polish heritage and my husband is Spanish so real massive mix in the house um, and I speak a few different languages as well and I've always liked traveling and uh, traveling and music and arts and things so um, I study languages at university and I suppose I've always been doing more or less creative things of my life right. um yeah that's a little bit about me <laughs> fantastic fantastic so tell us a little bit about your story and um I think it starts the way we think every fairy tale is going to start right with this tall dark and handsome man right <laughs> yeah, yeah pretty much yeah. so I was at university um, I was studying abroad in Italy um for my third year so it was all quite an exciting time for me anyway everything was new um I'd kind of recently broke up um, with a boyfriend uh, back in the UK and I was like ready to take on the world and yep, I met a tall, dark, handsome Brazilian artist who was really different to anyone I'd ever met before um, and very talented, very good at everything, um, very confident and he just blew me away really. Um, so I pretty much fell head over heels very, very quickly um, and sort of it was my final year of uni, nearly my final year of uni. So me having to then go back to the UK and then basically do a long distance relationship already from quite an intense start. Um, you know, I was like, this is, this is going to work. You know, I'm, I'll do anything for this, for this guy. Right. Um, and really he was 
uh, you know, funny and charming. And he was, like I said, talented, different to anyone I'd met, but he was also very moody, mm. um, he was a little bit jealous. He was South American, so I put it down to the whole, uh, I'm not generalizing any, like, I'm not trying to generalize a whole continent, but for me, I thought at the time, um, oh, he's South American, you know, he's a bit more passionate, like, he's he's going to be a little bit more um, possessive, that's okay. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, I felt like needed by that. I felt kind of wounded by that. And I thought that that was okay. Um, so there were alarm bells that I kind of pretty much ignored straight up. Right. Uh, I made excuses for them. I still ask myself why, but that's probably a whole psychoanalyst kind of journey that I need to do, yeah. which I'm not going to delve into that now, but, you know, I still ask myself why sometimes. Um, so, but yeah, there were excuses. You know, he was, he didn't really like me having male friends. He didn't really like me having social media, Facebook. I ended up deleting it. Mm. Uh, he didn't really like, um, he kind of questioned things and I suddenly started to question myself, but it always was around the whole, you know, he knew better for me and he, you know, really, really loved me and he really, uh, thought, you know, wanted the best for me. So it really right. convinced me, really kind of spun me in his web in a way. Sure. Um, so then from, from that point on, um, I moved to Brazil. Um, where he wow. moved back to so he we were long distancing and then suddenly he was like I have to go back to Brazil and I was like well I'll finish my university studies thankfully I finished my university studies and I will come out and meet you right and you know, we'll, we'll take it from there which in one way I think I was 22 years old in one way it was brave but maybe also very naive right yeah <laughs> I don't but it was kind of very naive because I just thought you know what what have I got to lose like I'm gonna go and discover a whole new country right I'm gonna learn Portuguese I'm gonna um do everything to make it work basically right so that's what I did um and I did learn Portuguese but it was really different there because I just got really confused with I thought it was cultural differences I just thought wow I really it's a really big culture shock um you know I'm multicultural myself and I've lived abroad and okay in Europe maybe not okay different continents so I thought oh it must just be me right it must be me I, I keep needing to fix this I need to be the one who understands better right you know I don't get the cultural norms and he there would be really strange interactions with his friends where and I was like well in my culture you're you speak to your boyfriend's male friends because it's normal right you right just, yeah having a conversation is a normal thing but if I spoke to his male friends when we were together in like a social situation, he'd be angry or he'd give me silent treatment or he'd, he'd like, uh, it was just really hard. And, and I was like, oh, okay, maybe it's inappropriate here. Right. It's, uh, you know, and I, I kept, rather than questioning him and going, uh, yeah. you know, why the hell are you telling me that I can't speak to people? Which obviously the me now is sure. like, I would never even stand for that. Right. And somebody else telling me the same thing, I I would say, have you stopped to think about why right. he's saying this rather than just accepting, go, oh, wow, yeah, I'm the stupid one here. Yeah. So clearly my self-esteem and my self-worth was pretty low anyway. And it just got more and more eroded because of this behavior, this, you know, insidious chipping away behavior of right. kind of, uh, yeah, these uh, big alarm bells, to be honest. Right, right. So fast fast forward to uh, what you describe 
as the worst year of your life, which was 2013. Were you still um, out of the country? This also happened in Brazil? No, so actually by 2013, we'd moved back to the UK um, and we'd moved to London and I um, I don't live anywhere near London, so you, for anyone, so I'm not, I'm not in London. <laughs> it's quite <laughs> where I am. Um, so it was a bit of a funny move as well because I'd been working in my hometown. We'd been living with my parents, and things got a bit difficult with everybody. And then I ended up losing my job um, because it, the reasons were that I wasn't committed enough. But actually, he made it really hard for me. He made it really hard for me to keep my job. And to then the move to London was because he had contacts in London. He was a tattoo artist. He is. And um, he was like, oh, I've got a job there. So I thought, well, whatever. I'll just, I'll get a job in retail. I'll get a job wherever I need to do. Right. I'll find a job, Christmas job. Because we, we moved just before Christmas. And I was like, I'll, I'm sure I can get a job in, in any shop in London. Sure. It's big enough. Um, so that's what I did. And... It basically really escalated from the time we moved away from my family. Um, it was already bad um, having moved back home, but I was really, really isolated. Um, I'd pretty much cut most of my friends off. Mm-hmm. I had like a couple of best friends in London who I barely saw. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really, really underweight because I was so stressed and I was working long hours. And I did a lot. I mean, I'm lucky. I've oh, I still have a, a very um, positive relationship with food. I've never had a problem with food. I eat very healthily. It's the Mediterranean background, maybe. Like I've right. always been fine. You know, I've, I've never. In, I don't eat my emotions essentially. Right. And I was trying to eat more. I was like looking on blogs on weight gain, like right. for people who are like skinny and want to gain muscle and stuff. And I was like, you know, eating peanut butter san- and banana sandwiches like three times a day right. <laughs> on top of the food I was eating. And I was like, why am I so thin? Why don't I put weight yeah. on? I went to the doctors and that's what my, the problem to check my thyroid, as in it was so obvious that the problem was I was unbelievably stressed. And right. at this point, the violence really, really escalated. And I just wasn't really... Um, I just wasn't seeing it. I just sure. was denying everything. Um, so I was working. What was, in- what, sorry to interrupt you. What was the, so you've led us through some of these behaviors mm-hmm. and some of the control entering into your life. Um, what, what was it like the first time it actually got physical? Did it start so, off with little things or was it like a big explosion? What happened the first time? That's a very interesting question. Um, so there was verbally a lot of put downs before there was anything physical. So there's quite a lot of like, um, yeah, verbal put downs mm-hmm. and kind of small digs and, you know, um, quite consistent, but at the same time, in front of other people, he'd speak really greatly about me. So it was very confusing. So then I was like, oh, I'm not really sure. But the first time it happened, um, he actually uh, strangled me Mm. because he thought that I had lied about, he'd been away on like a business trip. And this is in my hometown. Um, He thought I had 
hidden something from him or I've been with a guy or oh, that was it he hated my um my only other male colleagues in the school that I was working in and he was like you're lying to me and I was like no I, I promise I'm not lying to you so then he took to my neck and was really pressing mm. and I was just had tears rolling down my cheeks yeah. and I was like I'm not lying to you like you have to believe me right. And he then was like, oh, I believe you because, you know, if you were lying, you wouldn't have reacted like that. And I remember thinking, God, he really needs help. Like, I really need to help him. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I'm, it's really crazy. I didn't think that what he did was worth, like, me just going get out of my house. Like, you know, yeah, it was really i'm I sh- i'm still shocked at how i um how i just thought he needs help yeah which right terrible really right. um yeah so it was kind of it wasn't like you know screaming and shouting it was like really and then he was like oh i'm so sorry i feel so bad i feel so bad like and i was like it's okay it's okay you know i know that you know i try to be understanding and compassionate and uh um i just yeah followed it and dig it dug it really just hit it and was like yeah. that didn't happen buried it. it right you buried yeah. it yeah and then yeah so that was the first time he laid his hands on me right and, really awful. and how long how long did the physical and verbal attacks on you go on before you finally broke your silence so i would say that I suppose it was like what 2012 when that first time happened and then all of 2013 so really um from when we got to London it just I remember from like New Year's my birthday's just after New Year um it was just in fact it's funny I kind of I was not funny I blocked I've blocked I have blanks in my memory because it was so right. bad right so I have, it was so I worked in retail and we had to wear these like short sleeve t-shirts and because I came in as a temp and then I got a permanent job my other colleagues had long sleeve t-shirts from when they'd worked in prior years right. and I didn't have them and I remember having a colleague and just being like oh I really need to borrow your long sleeve t-shirt because both of mine are in the wash mm-hmm. and being desperate to hide the bruises on my arms yeah. like it was sustained and, and there were some days I had to call in to work sick because I couldn't I was working on a makeup and um, skincare counter right so you're like front like facing and sure I had bright like bruises. yeah yeah bright lights. I had like bruises in my ears I had bruises on my neck I had bruises on my eyes and I couldn't I didn't have enough makeup to hide it I ended up researching when you have rosacea which is like a reddening of the skin you have to use this like green makeup to hide it. I had tried to buy some so that I could hide the bruises wow. because they were green and black. Mm-hmm. And there were some days I had to call in sick because I just couldn't hide them. Um, so the violence, it, really, it was from pretty much until the whole year that he was um, increasingly, increasingly more violent with me. Um, and like I said, there are times when I just have blanks. I don't know. I have memories that come to me of things he did to me. Um, and I don't know why. And or I don't know why he did them. Or I can't, right. there's no beginning or there's no middle, there's no end. And it's quite, 
for, for the time after that really frightened me to have these blanks it was really um traumatizing yeah, yeah it was really, really traumatizing to go I don't remember what happened to me that's right. scary right. really really scary so I would say would until I broke my silence so I was in London for the whole of 2013 and then he broke his uh, his collarbone in a motorbike accident which you'd think I thought oh now's my opportunity to show him that I do love him I'm gonna look after him he's gonna see he keep telling me that I don't love him but I do and then it just got even worse and you'd be amazed what somebody with a broken arm can do to you wow um like you know he perforated my eardrum he um he would spit in my face he would like pull my hair out he oh, would still hit God. me um and we had to go back to Brazil because of his arm and he was like I can't work I need to go back to Brazil I need to be with my family I don't want to spend winter we couldn't afford to stay paying rent with me basically not working because um I was constantly off I was about to lose my job again because right. I'd been off too much sure. um, and they have disciplinaries they didn't obviously they didn't ask me what was going on and they just said all that I was calling sick all the time so then we had to go back to Brazil and I really 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 didn't want to go I was like already starting to think I'd called up women's aid which is our national um domestic helpline um national helpline for domestic abuse here in the UK that I called was, them that up was about to be my next question is yeah. is when you actually started thinking about leaving so it was around summertime when I was like hang on a minute um yeah I've got bruises all the time yeah I'm this something's really wrong this this isn't right no. which maybe some people watching this would be like god how stupid was she or how can you even not realize but when you're so it's so scary and you just you're so stressed like psychologically and emotionally that you're just trying to survive and you yeah. just like surviving means walking the dog getting to work on time don't lose your job pretend everything's fine all the time because you don't you're so ashamed you're so right. like, it's so shameful to think oh you know i'm um you know a uh, university educated from a nice family um you know i i shouldn't be so stupid as to you know tolerate this right so it's very shameful so i started to think and i started to look online and i was like oh maybe he's a i remember searching for a um uh not psychopath but which i searched later um people who are um, insanely jealous. pathological jealousy okay that was the first thing i searched for pathological jealousy because i was like he was insanely jealous about right. I couldn't look, I had walked with my head down. I couldn't look at people in the street to cross the road because I was wow. looking at a map. Wow. Like that's, it was so crazy. And uh, yeah, so I looked at pathological jealousy and then I started to read about uh, relationship problems. And then I started to realize that it was saying the words abuse. And then I started to look at, okay. And I started looking on YouTube to see videos. And I remember seeing a, um, a really famous video of, um, um an american lady she's got like i don't know how many millions of views um talking about domestic abuse and but she was a businesswoman and she had a gun held to her head and to me oh, i wow. couldn't relate and i was like oh that's not that's not me right like that must not be that's like not what i'm experiencing right. and and so therefore it must must not be that and right again, like that's kind of denial because there were so many sim right. similarities but you were, looking, you were looking for the differences as opposed yeah. to the similarities, right. 
Yeah, I was. And then and then I started to like think, okay, first I called um, the Samaritans. I'm not sure um, if you have that. It's basically like a helpline for anybody, but also for people who want to commit suicide. And yeah. I didn't want to commit suicide, but I just didn't know who to call. Sure. And then I thought, after a few more weeks of searching hidden, I thought, okay, I think this is abuse. Right. So I should call the helpline for domestic abuse. Um, and I called them a couple of times and they can't ever tell you what to do, but they right. said, and they asked me, you know, and I said to them what had been happening physically. And they said, okay, our alarm bells are ringing because I'm not sure if you know, but even if you don't pass out being strangled, um, you can have brain damage. Like you can have serious damage affecting you and right. that can happen after, like you can be seriously affected by being strangled after you, it's happened. Right. And that really scared me. So then I thought, okay, this, I started to try and defend myself and say, this has to change. You can't do this to me anymore. Um, you know, I'm not standing for it. Right. Um, but it was just kind of pointless because I hadn't said anything to anybody else. I was on my own basically. Right. Right. And then when he was accident and then I was like, I'm going to leave you. I don't want to go to Brazil with you. He was like, Oh, you're abandoning me in my time of need. Right. So then I was like the worst person ever because he was like, how dare you after everything I've done for you, I moved to your country for you. I've kept you, you know, um, in this lovely, not lovely house, but you know, I, I've, I've done all these things for your family, you know, I, like really, really laying into me how an awful person I would be to abandon him when he was injured. Right. And I would say this to the helpline people and they were like, how old is he? He's in his thirties. He can look after himself. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Like right. obvious. And I was like, oh, but he doesn't speak English that well. So what? He right. can get by. Right. He's got friends. and Was he not working? Ask, they, he can ha ask them to help him. Right. And I'd be like, oh, I can't do that to him. And they're like, why not? And like now, you know, stepping out of it. Of course. But I was terrified. I was really terrified because then, then he'd say, well, it, it was like, he was like, oh, so then you have been cheating on me. So then there is somebody else. It must be that. That's why you want to leave me. Sure. Not because of him. Right. But, so it was really like mind games, really crazy mind games. And then we, I did end up going back to Brazil with him um, in November. And it was just awful. I was writing in my diary at this point. I'd started to write because I hadn't even written a diary. And I was like starting to admit it to myself. Um, and sometimes I look back on the diary and I'm amazed at what I was going through. And I started to be like, this is what he's doing to me. This is what he's done to me. Yeah. Like I have to, I have to. I need courage. Like I need yeah. him. I need to leave him. But it was just, again, I hadn't said anything. Right. So then end of 2013 going into 2014. So we're in Brazil still. And he's not being physically violent with me anymore, but they're still put downs. His family have realized what's going on. Right. Um, uh, it was all kind of, I was like, maybe things could get better, but then they kept, not being better because he kept being jealous and I couldn't even speak to his brother. Right. I mean, if I helped his mum put the washing out and his brother's underpants happened to be in that wash and they were clean and I happened to hang them, not even knowing that they were his, he would go crazy. Like, right. it's insane. Right. It's, this, these are examples I'm pulling out that are just to show how insane it was. Yes. Yeah. Um, then, at, then at one point, um, we moved away from his family and into a main city where we'd lived before and when there was an international airport and I thought okay I'm closer to the airport now right. I'm not near his family I don't need to say goodbye to anybody I'm not seven hours away from the international airport right 
And I was like, okay, maybe I'm close to doing this and speaking right. to someone. And I, it was a really funny weekend. It was a Friday that um, I'd been for a job interview. Uh, well, a, a potential amazing job came up in a language school, which would have been amazing. And then I spoke to my auntie and on Skype, and she saw me jump when the door, um, when I saw the door go. And she goes, did you, are you afraid of him? It's like, no one had asked me this question. And I was like, oh, actually, yeah, sometimes I am. And she just looked at me and was yeah. like, has he hit you? And I said, yeah, he did. And then that was it. Yeah. It was like, just really simple, um, direct. And she was like, you have to get out and you cannot tell anybody. Yeah. And at that point, it was like the whole family knew. And it was my my cousin at the time was working for the UN. And she was like, I can get you on a flight. Right. Um, in the next, like the today, just don't take, just leave everything, just go. Right. Um, suddenly my family knew. And then that, that subsequent weekend, like that Saturday, Sunday, I told a best friend by email. And then I Skyped another best friend and said what had happened. And I didn't go into any details. Sure. I just said, look, this has been happening. My life has been hell. I don't know what I'm going to do yet. Right. But but I've I've told you now and now I can't go back. Like, right. it's open. I've said it. And for me, I knew deep down that once I said it, yes. it was the beginning of the end. Sure. I couldn't say it and then, and then stay. And then not do anything about it. Right. Right. Yeah, I couldn't go and then not do anything. Yeah. So that was basically like March time. So that took from the like it took from July, August, from thinking and Googling to like March and a lot of stuff happening in between sure. before I was like, Okay, I'm saying it. Like it was really, really, really hard to so actually you, open the You made a decision, um and that is both brave and um, some people have have messaged you about this decision, mm. but you made the decision to tell him you were leaving, mm. not to just no, yeah. disappear in the night. I would love for you to share how you were able to unfold your plan with him knowing and successfully leave. Because there, there are a lot of women who I think are waiting for this magical opportunity to mm. disappear. And I, I do believe there are situations where that is the right thing to do. But I would yeah. love to hear about how you were able to actually say, I'm leaving, plan your leave and successfully leave. That is a very good question. Um, so the thing that was really complicated for me, which I, I missed out of my TED talk because it was way too many granular details, was that I had a dog mm -hmm. and I took my dog with me to Brazil and she needed a rabies um, injection. Right. And I did that before I left, but I didn't know that she needed a blood test. So when I found out, I went to the vets and I said, I need to leave with my dog. And they said, you need to wait for three months. Oh. It was either three months of waiting with the dog and me staying after having already broached the subject and I'll go into how I did that. Right. Or it was leaving the dog in Brazil, which I wasn't gonna do. Right. Or it was 
putting my dog in quarantine in the UK, which was going to cost me thousands of pounds. Right. And I was like, already had no money. I already needed help to get out of the country. Right. And so, and so my family were like, we can get you on a plane tomorrow. You can leave tomorrow. And I was like, I can't leave with the dog. Yeah. Tomorrow. So it was really like, and some people will go, just leave the dog. Right. <laughs> but if you're a dog owner, like she was like, like a child. Two- yeah and she'd been through everything with me and she was poor little dog had like seen it all and was like mega traumatized herself from it and and it was like that was the thing which made it which made me go I can't I just can't do this in secret because like if I could leave in the night I would but I can't because I can't leave the dog which makes it so much more complicated so and you could see imagine the women who have children well, well, exactly. No. And that, yeah, exactly. I mean, a dog is nothing in comparison to a woman who has children. Exactly. So for me, it was, okay, right. So these are my options. So I was investigating my options with the dog before I told him. Right. But he knew something was up. And he was like, you know, you're spending a lot of time on the internet. You're not coming to the studio anymore. Uh, and I think he could see that something was happening. And you know, it's quite amazing. I actually cannot recall the conversation. I think I have blocked it from my brain, but he didn't react violently. He didn't react. He reacted in a way which was very, very um, like uh, controlled. Mm. Right, calculated. Calculated, yeah, calculated. So. I said, look, I think I need to spend some time with my family. Um, I think I need space. I think that I need to go home. I want to go home. I need to go home. Things have been really hard. Uh, I didn't say, like, I'm leaving and breaking up with you. Sure. But I said, you know, I I need to be away. Right. And I need help with Maya, <laughs> the dog. And I was like, I need time. And I'm telling you because it's going to be complicated with Maya and I'm taking her with me. Right. So, so the way he reacted was kind of like, I understand you want some time with your family. And then it went from, although the physical abuse had stopped and the put downs were still quite constant, it went from put downs to, Hey, let's go out for a really nice meal. Mm. Or, hey, thank you for having done this thing. Or, Hey, you know what? I'll cook tonight. Um, and, you know, suddenly being like, oh, you look really pretty in that dress. And uh, I don't know, like suddenly, oh, I love you again. Sure. And sure. it was like really. And then I'd had this like offer from this job of a job from the school. And I was like, maybe, maybe things are changing because he hasn't hit me and he hasn't, you know, like and his reaction was really cool. You know, it was really. Right. Not. All what I was expecting all part of the trap. Yeah, completely. And and the thing is, and then the other thing I can say as well, um, I knew, I knew deep down, we were in a city in Brazil where he is well known. He's famous in the tattoo scene. Right. He had a big ego and he had a very, very, very big reputation. Mm. There was no way he was going to ruin that by hurting me. Like by killing me, basically, right. he wasn't going to do it. I don't think he had it in him, but that's that could be me being very naive because, yeah, he strangled me. He could have killed me. Sure. He hit me so hard. Like he, you know, I have 
blanks in my memory. So actually, I'll go back and correct myself. He must have had it in him to kill somebody, sure. but he had his reputation. And that's why I knew I was going to be safe. Right. Because the dog and because he was in a place where his image was so important right. to him and was so much more important than anything else. It was He had to be cool about it because, you know, that way I was the bad person in the whole thing. Sure. And in any other situation, I would always say, do not say anything. It's never, and it was never going to be the right time. It was not easy. Right. And it was so, and I was trying to do so many things hidden behind him. Right. Like, and I didn't want to tell him, but I knew I had to because of the dog and because I thought there's just no way I can do this in secret. I have nowhere to go. Right. I have nowhere to go in this big city. I don't have any money. Right. I'm like, I'm stuck. And I know that he's going to be protecting his ego. Sure. And hopefully they were the, the biggest reasons why I thought I have to say it right to him. Right. So then um, tell us about when you left and um, if you would share from your TED talk, your, your very beautiful poem that uh, you wrote, and then we can start to talk about what life looks like now. Okay. Yeah. Um, so um, it's interesting because obviously with the dog and everything, it was all those things which I didn't mention in the, in the talk. Uh, it was all about what airline and what day and you know organizing with the freight company for animals and then with the quarantine on the other side and basically yeah. in a way that kind of took up all of my time and then I started to contact friends and be like hey I'm coming back don't ask me why I'm right. coming back like I started to go I'm going to start reconnecting already with my mm -hmm. friends who I'd like you know completely cut off um without in just saying you know just please don't ask me but I'm coming home right um so that in the like the few weeks leading up to me leaving that kept me occupied in the day um and you know we still went to the beach and we still because we lived right by the beach and you know we still had like went out for meals and things were weirdly right. okay um but the days coming up like I remember like the dog was so stressed she was like weeing on the bed and you know it was just I just remember her weeing on the bed and it, you know dogs do that when they're so upset and stressed and sure. Um, and the day I left was, um, just the hardest thing I have ever, 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 ever done. Like actually he took me to the airport with the dog and I just cried and cried and cried and cried so much. Um, cause it was just so overwhelming and not because I wanted to stay, but it was just, couldn't believe I was doing it um and I can share the poem that I wrote yeah um, please so it's called I left on a Tuesday I left on a Tuesday tears fell uncontrollably they were big wet heavy tears tears that I shed out of exhaustion pain and the sheer enormity of my actions I was leaving I left on a Tuesday. Stepping on the plane, I turned my back on it all. I had nothing left to lose. I was zeroed, emptied, no more. I left on a Tuesday. It had taken months to get to this. The courage was built slowly and not always so surely. 
but enough to make sure I faced this new direction. With each kilometre that passed, I was further away. I would be safe. I left on a Tuesday. When I arrived, it was Wednesday and my new life began. So incredibly powerful, you know, that all of a sudden you had Wednesday. Yeah. You know? Thank you, yeah, it was. There's so many women out there that are living in some point of your story, whether it's the beginning point where you're just starting to change your behaviors a little bit. You're you're starting to lose yourself just a little bit, but you haven't quite figured out what's what's actually being done. Or maybe you've been strangled and you don't know what to do. You don't know who to call. You don't know how to break your silence. You're not ready. Mm -hmm. You know, you're just not ready. And, you know, to somebody who hasn't been in a situation like yours, you might think that it's easy. Like, gosh, why don't they just, why don't they just leave? Um, It's not that easy. I mean, the programming and the disassembling of who you are happens so slightly and so consistently. And all of a sudden you're not in your right mind and you're not, who you were and you can make the decisions that if you were fully present within yourself, you could make because you're not fully present within yourself anymore. So absolutely. You are so brave and we are so grateful that you left on that Tuesday. And I would love for you to tell us how, what life looks like now, you know, from that Wednesday forward uh, what life looks like now and, and give give some women, you know, a little bit of the courage and strength and hope that they need to know that it can get better. So okay. what is life like for you now? So um, when I got back to the UK, so I had a big advantage of many miles um, in between myself or a whole ocean, actually, in between myself and Brazil. Yeah. Um, and... I just, I'd been so, like you said, like deconstructed. Um, I had, I had nothing left. Like I had nothing. There was like, I was not even a blank page. I was just a nothing. Right. And I was just thought, I have nothing to lose now. I've lost everything in in the sense of with myself. I just need to reconstruct everything, and all the things that I like doing, like singing and um, amateur dramatics, and like. Um, like even like exercise and um, just all my interests. Yeah. I was like, I'm just going to throw myself head first into everything. I moved obviously back in with my parents. I joined um, the, the local operatic society. Yeah. I started CrossFit. I got an amazing job um, based on my languages. Right. One of them Portuguese. And okay, it was a job I never, I'd never worked in a um, big corporation before, but that's where the job was going, and I right. needed a job. Um, and and you know, I made amazing friends there. I started um, say, well, 
saving money so I could pay back everyone who'd helped me get out because sure. I had no money and I had friends and, you know, people borrowing money from me. Um, you know, I've seen a few a few comments on my uh, videos being like, oh, you know, you had it was easy for you financially. It wasn't for me at all. Um, right. People had to borrow left, right and centre to help me and then I paid them all back once I started working. Um, so I just, um, yeah, I threw myself into everything. Um, I started singing again. I started um, doing exercise again. I started going out and dancing again. Yeah. You know, I made friends. Um, I, I uh, kind of started to process what had happened right. it wasn't easy it, like the, I would say the first three years um was a lot of doing everything that I wanted to do but then after the first year it was kind of an avoidance tactic of right. just going that didn't happen right I need to focus on on what it is like that makes me happy and and you know it, it was like I got back in April on that Wednesday yeah. and I joined this um, choir and this really fantastic adult like sort of acapella choir and we went to do this Christmas concert at this beautiful big um, old house uh, in this big park, like a stately home um, near to my hometown. And I remember like crying my eyes out um, before, like between the songs and while we were there and, and like I was like majorly overly emotional right. nobody could really understand why but I was like I, I'm so grateful for my life like yeah. I'm you know it was so simple I was just singing a concert right. I was just you know it was just for them they did it every year and I was crying because I was like I'm so grateful that I have this nice thing in my life yeah. like I just have the opportunity to be myself and yeah. to do the things that I love again yeah. without answering to anybody and so like that was a really kind of you know strong moment so then I just I definitely needed lots of therapy yeah. <laughs> so the key to me being like getting better and how things have gone for me has been lots of therapy because yeah. I started to like realize that I was avoiding actually what happened to me and I could talk about it without getting emotional and I thought oh I must be over it and then right. when I started thinking, they were like wow that's like major dissociation like you are talking about it like you're talking about going to the supermarket sure. like you've been through some major trauma and you're not even getting emotional about it that's not okay right <laughs> you need to get your emotions again and I just blocked it all out um yeah. which is kind of a very um uh, it's a normal reaction to trauma, actually. Sure. It's, a, it's a normal reaction. But the therapy helped me reconnect with my emotions. In my job, um, I met my now husband. Mm -hmm. So the job I got, um, which I had seen when I was in Brazil and thinking, oh, I need to apply for that job when I get back home. It was the job where I met my now husband. We have a baby together. Yeah. Um, I've gone and joined some amazing charities. So I work for the women's aid charity here in work, sorry, volunteer for, I'm a trustee right. for, it's all run by volunteers, um, for the local charity, Chester Women's Aid. Mm -hmm. um, and I've traveled the world. I have made friends in different parts of the globe, all people who are doing amazing things to help others. Yeah. And it's all because I started to believe in myself right. and I started to go, I'm worth, I, and actually everything I've done in the last five years, I have created, I have built it because I, yes. I could. Yeah. I just, I have like, no one is ever, ever, ever going to tell me that I can't do something ever again. Right. Like no one's going to tell me that I'm not good enough. No one's going to tell me that 
that I can't, no one's going to tell me that, um, you know, don't bother. Yeah. And, and you know, who do you even think you are? And, and I don't mean you need to think in an arrogant way, but I'm like, I am worthwhile. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure I can do what makes me happy. That's okay. And I think just being so ferociously like no one will ever take me away from myself again, That's ever, right. That's right. has just made me go, I can do it all. Like I can try everything. I can be happy. I can, um, I can, I yes. just can. Yes. And you have, and you are, and yeah. I, it's your, your story is so emotional and so powerful. And, you know, I, I'm just beyond honored that you shared yourself mm -hmm. and your story with us. Um, you know, I, I if, if there's one woman that got an idea or was able to put something in her toolbox, yeah. you know, for being able to free herself from the nightmares that that so many women are living. Um, you know, it, it's it's worth it to keep sharing your story and thank you for using your voice for good and for being a guest with us um, here on our Facebook Live. We'll be posting it in uh, YouTube and also on our podcast. So. Um, share with our audience how people can stay connected with you. You know, are you, do you have a YouTube channel or your Instagram? However you, you want to connect with people after this. Sure. Okay. Well, um, I'm quite shy on social media. <laughs> um, but, uh, thank you very much. And first of all, to, for inviting me, for giving me yeah, another platform to share the story. And, you know, I really feel honored that you asked me. So thank you very much. I really you know, and all the work that you're doing is amazing. Um, yeah. You know, it's really, really cool. So thank you. Um, but social media wise, I have an Instagram. Um, I'm not massively active. I'm quite shy with, That's you know, okay. saying too many things, but I, I have it open. It's there. Um, and um, like professionally, I have a LinkedIn. Um, so I'm right. happy to connect with LinkedIn. And, um, and yeah, I'm, Mainly Instagram user, I suppose. I think with Facebook, I'm a little bit, uh, it's more kind of uh, friends and family and things, right. but my right. phone is open and, and right. yeah, I'm still, still working on the. Uh, Excellent. Open, well, open I, I want to read you a couple of comments that have come in. Yeah. Um, we've gone a little over our time and I know you have a little, you have a little one, so I don't want to take up too much more of your time, um, but let's see. So Shelby says stress really does have that trickle down effect into physical health issues. So that's from when you were talking about why am I so thin and I can't gain any weight. And it's crazy how incredibly powerful stress is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Very understandable to have those blanks in memory. It's not mm. stupid. People who haven't been through it will never understand why you don't leave. Mm. Um, they have to stay in control and will say anything to make you stay. Mental abuse is just as, as bad as physical. Absolutely. Helen says, such a brave story, Kiara, and thank you so much for sharing and that you're amazing. <laughs> thank you. And Lisa says, your story and your bravery is so similar to so many. And uh, thank you for sharing your story and that you are truly an inspiration and that you're so brave and they're so proud of you. So <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. So again, thank you so much for joining us. We will definitely stay in touch with you. All the love and blessings in the world with your thank new, you. um, with your newborn. Is it a boy or a girl? 
little girl. Yes. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, congratulations to yourself and your husband on that Thank little you. girl and for you just taking that chance and turning that Tuesday into a Wednesday. Very powerful. So thank you again for sharing with us. Thank you so much for having me. All Thank right. you. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye, Kiara. Bye. Bye. <laughs>